Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit, and Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told them the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome Wow. There's been a lot of drama going on in the UFC this week, and I can't wait to get into it with you all. Guys, coming up on today's show, Conor McGregor woke up, and he chose war. Paula Costa is back. And I'll also tell you why Joe Rogan is on drugs. But I want to begin with the welterweight title picture and all the discussion 
that's been circulating this week around Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, Blahal Mohammed, and more. Guys, let's get into it. What do you do when a guy wants a taste of his own medicine? What do you do in that kind of a spot? Fight promotion is hard, isn't it, guys? We love to talk about it over here. You want a big fight? You gotta have a good story. You want a good promoter? He's gotta be a good storyteller. What's a story? Five W's. Who, what, when, why, and where. We, we love to do these things, and we've even made a living of it. And we come back uh, tomorrow and the day after that, and we reproduce it. We do it again and again. But what do you do when you don't have anything to promote, and you don't have any story to tell because you don't have the match made? And you don't have a match made because a guy is giving you a taste of his own medicine. Look, I have never given Leon Edwards a fair shake. I admit that. That's not my goal, though. I've spoke with Leon one time. Could not have liked him more. Complete gentleman. Awesome fighter. But I, I do realize over, over the body of work when I speak about Leon, I'm a little bit hard on him. Now, I, I want to do that now. But I promise I have a greater good. I really do have a point, which is not to give this man a hard time, who, by the way, can handle it from jail anyway, right? Everything's going Leon's way. He can handle, he put some weight on it, but he made a point. It was against Colby. And Leon said, Colby has sat out for a year. I do not know how you can sit out for a year and come into a world title fight. Now, before you think I'm being redundant, I understand that that was Saturday. He's now come out yesterday. In the evening, he said, I'm not giving him the fight. In between the first comment and the new comment was Dana White saying, yes, 100%, it's Colby. Comes out, he says, I'm not giving him the fight. He doesn't deserve it. Moreover, he lays out his case. He said, I just beat a guy twice who beat him twice. I'm not giving him the fight. Now, he did not get into what actually has his feathers up which is statements that Colby's made over the years picking on him, which ultimately appeared to have hurt his feelings. He didn't get into that. I think it might have been helpful if he did. The old expression, the truth will set you free. I think it might have been more helpful if he said, this guy said blah, 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 and I knew right then I was never going to help him. The same reason I fought Kamara again, and I didn't give the opportunity to Masvidal. He three-pieced and assaulted me. F him. He could have fought me right then. I needed him. He was a bigger name, I admit it, but he could have pulled me up. He didn't do it. I had to take another route. So now that I'm here, I'm not helping him out, and I'm not helping him either. Boom, I think we're all done here. That doesn't mean that Dana wouldn't still find a way to circumvent and make the fight, but I think we're all done here. I think he would have really succeeded, but he didn't say any of those things. He didn't say that his feelings were hurt. He didn't say Colby's been calling him names for all the years. And quite frankly, I can't remember. You had, you had, you had Kamara fake newsman. What was, what was Colby calling Leon? It was calling him Leon Scott. Who's Leon Scott? It, it was calling him Leon Scott. And I always thought that that was the character from The Office. But that was Michael Scott. So I guess I got to get on Google and figure this thing out. But I think that's all that Colby's done. But maybe when I get to the bottom of who Leon Scott is, maybe, maybe I'll see that this is something that should be offensive. But I'm, t I'm just talking about you're giving a guy a case of his own medicine. Okay, look. Leon wants to lay out that he hasn't lost in seven years. And he wants to lay out that he hasn't lost in 11 fights. Okay. Now, you guys remember my whiteboard? I wish I had my whiteboard. For, it's actually sitting over here. My ink pen went dry. I wish I had my whiteboard just so I could show this for you. Of those 11 fights that he's won, that's a lot of fights. Woos. 
or at least 11 fights that he hasn't lost, right? Because we have the, the draw with Blahal, so we word it in a little bit different way. But we give him his 11 fights, right? Of those 11 fights, he was the main event twice. It's very hard to have an accurate perception of who we are. 11 up, 11 down, no losses. He fought the sport's biggest star in Nate Diaz and couldn't get a main event. When he fought in a main event outside of Kamara Usman, it was not on pay-per-view. This is the reality. So you, you have a guy that you've had one hell of a time making any money with. But you follow the integrity of the sport, you did the right thing, you elevate him. Even though you're digging in your pocket, you did it anyway. You booked a venue in his country to let him look good and have a glorious moment in front of his friends. And as soon as you get done, he tells you he's going to interfere with the plan that you have next for him. That's tough. That's tough for anyone to hear. John Jones refused to fight people. John Jones refused to fight anybody for three years. Now he's back because he's broke. Now he's back and he's back. Come on, get in here. Come on, Stipe. Come on. Sooner rather than later, let's do this. Let's go. Who, want, who wants to take a look at the man in the mirror? You sat on your ass for three years. Why should we be in a hurry to give you a match? I mean, it's a really interesting thing. I hear the cases laid out against Colby. I've heard them. There are very good arguments out there. I'll, I'll give you one. Uh, Hazmat Shemaev. But he's apparently leaving the weight class. I'll give you another great one. Uh, particularly with the eye poke and the no contest, or maybe they even call it a draw. Uh, Blahal Muhammad. Great one. Do you understand the position, though, that Colby just went through? Because I don't feel that people do. It is very hard to get people to fight. That's what we're seeing right now. We want Colby and Leon to fight. We can't get the fight made. Very hard to get someone to fight. Now imagine being in Colby's shoes. You're going to train. You're going to go through a full camp. You get all your paperwork done. You're going to get your weight down. Now, Colby doesn't get to just weigh 170 pounds. 170 pounds is a byproduct and a representation of a lifestyle. So the mere fact that Colby got his paperwork done, got on a plane, got over the got no media, got no money, and made weight demonstrates the hard work and discipline that he put in for one reason. And that reason was to be a last-minute fill-in between two different guys. Do you know how hard that is? We can't get guys to fight one person. You don't need evidence. That's what we're talking about right now. We can't get this fight. Colby agreed on no notice to take on either guy. That's what would happen if the backup guy got called in. Very honorable. But a very hard spot. So you hear people come out and argue, but I haven't lost in such amount of time, or I did this, or I beat this guy. Those are really good arguments. But don't make believe that a massive gesture wasn't just made. Don't make believe that a fighter wants to go through a training camp and not get to perform. Don't make believe that coaches and managers and trainers want to do all the same amount of work for a fraction of the participation.
Don't make believe that there wasn't a huge sacrifice that was made to see to it that a main event title shot in the champion's home where he wants to perform so bad. I mean, this was such a gift, such an honor, a dream, a dream of mine to fight in Oregon. He got to do it, and Colby came in to make sure, even come hook or crook, that happens, and then you don't want to do him a favor. You don't want to do business with him. You don't want to whip his ass. You don't want to give him an opportunity. See how tough that is? It's the very thing that we've all argued for you for many years. We argued, we fought to get Leon recognized. The pandemic has thrown my ability to keep track of time off. I used to be great 15 months ago, 20 months ago, but the pandemic kind of threw that off. Somewhere within the pandemic, Leon was signed. It was prior to the outbreak, but Leon was signed to fight Chimaev, which was then going to fall into what we look back to be the COVID time. That fight was said that it was going to be for a number one contendership. This is the one that Leon needs. We see everything you've done, and boy, you've done great, but this is the one. Do this, and you've done it enough. We all got behind him. We all supported him for that. We all saw the years that went by. We all saw the training camps. We saw the hard work. We saw the skills. We listened to Kamara Usman, who fought him and said, that's the best guy I've ever fought. But now that he's in the spot, he doesn't want to return the favor, much like John Jones, who fought no one for three years and now wants to fight every three seconds and acts like he's a good company guy for doing it. It does make him a good company guy. It makes it very helpful. It's easy to be a John Jones fan right now. Where the hell's that been for the last decade? Right? I mean, it's, it's one of these really weird situations. And you can talk about fights. You can talk about matches. You can talk about how long you did it undefeated. I, I, I'm not going to be a skunk at a garden party and make you feel bad about that. But if you did it in the undercards, you know, I'm not going to tell you to shut up, but maybe whisper for me. If you did it against the sport's biggest star and you still didn't headline, I'm not going to tell you to shut up, but, 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 but maybe keep your voice down for me just a little bit. And if you're going to go out there and talk about sacrifice and who deserves something, and you're going to dismiss a guy who trained, complied, traveled, and was willing to step in on 24 hours notice, got absolutely nothing for it except for a plane ticket home, and you act as though that wasn't also a contribution, please, I won't tell you to shut up, but... Could you keep your voice down? Seven hundred thirty-eight men and women in total under contract. The Ultimate Fighting Championship. Seven hundred and thirty-eight men and women in total. Seven of them. A combined seven make a profit. How'd you like to be in that business? You will hear that the UFC is the biggest organization out there. How come? How come? What do they do so well? Unified rules are the same anywhere we go. Weight classes are the same anywhere we go. A lot of the talent's the same. Kind of shift them around. Cage sure looks similar. 
camera's a camera. Why is the UFC number one in the world? Well, because of those seven athletes. 738 under contract, seven of them that can make you money. That's a lot. Boxing has three guys right now, just so you understand. I won't call promotions out. One of the top promotions has none. They're still looking for them. The other promotions got two. And the leader next to the Ultimate Fighting Championship has four. So UFC is number one, not because of the cage or the rules of the weight class. Not because of how they film it or present it or where they walk them out or how they weigh them in. All things that are discussed. They're number one because they have the most stars, which, by the way, is a combined seven. 43 events a year, you got seven people that can make money, and they are going to feed everyone. Not only on the card, on the roster, in the offices, in the real estate, in the marketing, in anything that you do, you yourself, the promoter, you got seven people, you got 738, 731 of them are a loss. You got seven that are going to make this whole thing make sense. Now, when you have one of those guys who turns the gun on you, what do you do? What do you do? You have a guy in Leon Edwards where the story is to all around him. We're all this, the whole goddamn world's discussing it. And apparently he didn't hear. We've been discussing it for five years. He is great. He can't draw. He is talented. He can't sell. So instead of cutting him, and turning him loose, you just keep dumping money into him. And he's got good company. He's got 730 other people just like him. With seven people keeping the lights on. That finally one day changes. It changes through all the investment. You had to fight. You had to shove it down people's throat. You had to bring them up slowly. You had to get them in there with Nate Diaz, which isn't easy to do considering one's a star and one's not. You got to get him all over the world. You got to deal with the rules of a country he lives in during a worldwide pandemic. You do it all and you turn that ship around. And he, standing in England, in a building that you paid for, that you insured, and that you filled with his friends. He looks around, he hears those cheers, he looks down at that belt, he looks up into that microphone, and he informs you that he's now in charge. All the money you've lost, all the time you've lost, everything you've put into this guy, now is the moment where you can start to get it back. Very rare. 730 other guys that don't understand this. Got their hand out wanting more. Going this away and wanting more. Kicking you on your way down, not even understanding. Okay, fine. You keep a smile. You keep your head up and you try to move forward. But what do you do? I mean, honestly, what are you going to do in that situation? Well, the reason that I'm the best at what I do, I am very smart. And I appreciate when you guys say I'm very smart. But my real skill is just as a historian. You could take the time and go ask Google or you could just speak to me. 
So the most recent time that we were in this exact same position was a gentleman named Francis Ngannou. We were heading to a place called Houston, Texas, and we were going to headline the biggest star in Houston, Texas, considering that's where the venue was, and that's who we want on the marquee so we can do the local radio stations, and his name's Derek Lewis. And it was decided for whatever reason that Francis wasn't going to fight him. And I've heard different, I've said different things and then I've even gotten people pushing back. Well, that's not why he did it. You know what? I don't care why he, that's why I don't know it. That's why I keep saying it wrong. I'm not going to take the time to learn it. And if I do go learn, I'm not going to take the time to remember it. I don't care. You showed up or you did not show up. And he didn't show up. And this wasn't very long after he won the championship. Just to take you guys back. It's a very similar situation. We have Houston, we're main eventing Derek, and we're going to do a title fight. So either the guy at heavyweight that's got the title comes, or we find someone else. And they did. They found someone else. His name was Surreal Gone, a heavyweight who fought Derek in Houston for the championship. So I'm just sharing this with you as we go through this deal with Leon. If this is a game to get headlines... Well done. You got me. Nobody's got a bigger show than me. I just gave you a plug for free. You got me. And you only got me because I think that you're serious. If you're not, truly, excellent work. But the guy that can make you the most money isn't even a close. It's, it's not a close debate. We don't need a poll. We don't need to go to the for, underground forum. I don't need to go to my YouTube and post a survey. The guy that can make you the most money is Colby Covington. The guy that's going to draw and is going to get you the most media is Colby Covington. Leon's under a brand new contract. You got to give him a little bit of wiggle room. Perhaps he doesn't know. Right, some guys are such competitors. They just get out there and compete. They work really hard. and they, They've got some trust with their team. They just get out there and go. I, I, I don't say that as a backhanded compliment. Perhaps he doesn't know. Perhaps he doesn't know and understand the participation that he gets for being the headliner that brings the belt, not that leaves with it, that brings it. And within 30 days, should everybody pass drug tests, he's going to find out the very pleasant way. The very, very pleasant way. And I believe that his opinion will then instantly change and he will see we're taking on the guy that draws and gets the most interest is the most helpful. And if he doesn't, I don't think we have to look back very far. I don't think that we have to wonder. It just happened. It's the heavyweight class. It was Derek Lewis. It was Francis Ngano. It was contested. We called it interim. We brought in Surreal Gone. And I just gave you guys a very brief history lesson that just happened, but most of you forgot. None of you cared, none of you were disrupted. That arena was sold out, and this next one will be too. And it will be for a championship, just as planned. And all you are as the champion is the first one that we invite. But if you turn us down, we're gonna have our little party anyway. This one was obvious, but th there are people that have missed it. Allow me to condescend and spell this out. Historically speaking, whatever weight class is your main event. So if you're going to do 
Oh, boy, in this case, you're going to do a John Jones fight. That's going to be your main event. The weight class of your main event is heavyweight. Everybody understands the vernacular here? Historically, when you have the heavyweights in your main event, what you'll do is somewhere on your main card, not just on the card, not just on the card, it's on your main card, you'll put another heavyweight match. Now, there's certain mechanisms within the UFC that activate if you're on the main card. So your match will be built, it will be hyped, as they say, it will be promoted. The audience will know it's there, they'll know that you're coming to town. Reason being, if something happens in the main event and we lose it, we can grab one of those guys that's already there, already licensed, already trained, and already promised to the crowd. And we could pull them up to the main event. It's great. And most of you that are at home going, Chael, you just stated the obvious. I, I, I might have. I might have. But we started doing this in 1993. And Dana White specifically started doing this in 2001. We didn't start the policy that I just laid out for you until 2007. So, I mean, it's like anything in the sport that's obvious and you, know, is, and you know it as soon as somebody tells you. It's one of those things. So I, I bring that to you because I think we've got a little bit of a standoff right now. One thing Blahal Muhammad is going to do besides whip everybody's ass, one thing Blahal is going to do is he is going to stand up for himself. Now, you've got a guy named Rachmanov. Rachmanov had Joe Rogan say to the world a suggestion that his next fight be for a world title. Wildly helpful, not to mention Rachmanov represents a demographic that nobody else represents. Not to mention he's batting a perfect 16 and 0. I don't think Rachmanov get a title fight. Everything that I just said is true. I, I I don't think he's main event of a pay-per-view right now. Okay. Blahal is. But I think Colby's getting the shot. So now you, you, you come to a question of what is Gilbert Burns' motivation as he goes in there with Masvidal, right? And one thing we've seen about Gilbert Burns is his willingness to do things that other people don't want to do. And therefore, his reward is he gets continued to be asked to do things that other people continue to say that they don't want to do. We're now seeing that with Blahal. I think that's awesome. I like guys like that. But I also think that we're in a little bit... Chuck Kearney, my college coach, is calling me. Probably talk about the NCAAs. I... I'm close to taking that call on speaker. You guys would love Chuck Kearney. Here's the deal, okay? Who's Chuck, by the way, known Colby his whole life. Here's the deal. If Rachmanov is going to fight Bahal Mohammed, great. Put it on the same card. As you're doing Leon and you're doing Colby, in case something happens so you can pull somebody up. The other solution that you could have is that... Blahal could campaign to be the backup fighter. Now, you don't start campaigning to be the backup fighter until it's a done signed contract for who the number one contender is. Right now, there is a fight going on in the media. Colby happens to understand this. He's one of the few guys that does. But Blahal happens to understand this. He's one of the few guys who does. If 
Colby gets the nod. Blahal could go into backup position, or he could attempt to fight Rachmanov that night. Now, I just want you to mull that over. Because there's a big risk there, isn't it? And you would think that Rachmanov versus Blahal would be a number one contenders match. You would think that. But before you heard it was going to happen, you would have thought that Gilbert versus Masvidal was a number one contenders match, particularly if it goes Gilbert's way. So you see where it gets interesting? You see where, from a, from a bureaucracy standpoint, this and this alone is what stops a promoter from identifying to us, the audience, what a number one contenders match is prior to it happening. Like, I would love that. I'd be, I'd be into that. that that'd be high. Like, you know, we're going to put a belt on this. We're going to put a BMF on this. We're going to put an interim on this. We're going to put a tag team on this. However you want to do it, we're going to put a number one contenders on it. That's interesting to me, but we can't do it. We can't do it, and we don't do it very often, but this is why. The right 70-pound match for all of them that have been announced to be your number one contender is clearly Gilbert Burns versus Masvidal. And we even understand the caveat. You don't even have to say. You don't even have to tell us the asterisks. We follow the sport long enough. We understand that's not necessarily true, particularly for Masvidal. But we say it anyway in case it goes Gilbert's way. We now can't do that because now you can't make other fights. Why does Blahal want to fight Rachmanov if it's not number of contendership? Sounds like a lot of work. Sounds like a really big risk. I mean, do you see the things that have to come into play here? So you have to start to navigate this. And you don't ever look at something as though you lost. And yes, I stole this from Terry Brands, but you don't ever look at something like you lost. You go and get the next best thing. So if you want the world title fight, and Blahal does, and he is fighting right now. Covington and Muhammad are in a fight, believe me, and it's getting dirty. It's exactly the way it should be. There's going to be a lot of blood spilled, but one of them's going to come out. The other one now has to ask himself, what's the next best thing? Go into a backup position. Very precarious. A lot of hard work, not the same money, but we're starting to see, and Colby is an example, it does tend to lend to some pretty good opportunity. Or you get on the very card that night. You deal with someone you're going to have to deal with. Blahal is going to have to deal with Rachmanov, and vice versa. I don't have a lot to offer you, boys. I ain't got a lot of good news. But, I do have a choice. Do you want to deal with him down the road for 25 minutes? Or do you want to deal with him now for 15? The average person has around 12 paid subscriptions. Now, I'm talking about things that you purchased online. You put down a credit card for a service. You then forgot about it, but you're billed monthly. And guys, if you think that you're only subscribed to a handful of services, you might want to double check. With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all your unwanted subscriptions. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscription, monitors your spending, and helps you to lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you signed up for to watch just one show, or that free trial that you never even used. I'm one of those people, guys. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel. Rocket Money 
We'll do all the legwork and cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or awkward conversations with a representative trying to talk you into keeping a service. Just one click and you're done. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, that includes me, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions. Manage your expenses. And guys, do it the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash chael. That's rocketmoney.com slash chael. Rocketmoney.com slash chael. Paulo Costa's back. Guys, that's great news. Four-fight deal just got announced. And that was in a little bit of limbo. And if we were fat boy, we'd miss Paulo Costa, right? We want Paulo. We want to see him sooner rather than later. Okay. Paulo Costa's back. Four-fight deal. What does that look like? I really like that division. Perhaps that's nostalgic because that was my division. But I really like it. I follow it pretty close. Massive skill there. I mean, these, these guys have a lot in common. They can all punch. They can all kick. They're all really good. They've all been in main events. They've all fought for world championships, and none of them want to fight. At least not each other. But that's another thing that they all have in common. I say I read about 185 pounds every goddamn day. You know what I don't read? I don't read a call-out. Ever. There isn't a call-out, as a matter of fact. Here, let me just give you an example. In the last four days and off the top of my head, Chemayev is going to move to 185 pounds. Chemayev is going to fight a top three guy. Now, we assume that's a, a little bit of a loose stroke. Since the two guys are already matched up, that would, that would be the announcement that he's fighting Robert Whitaker, who's ranked three. We, we think that that's a little bit of a loose stroke to mean a top guy. Okay, great. Let's see where that goes. Chemayev called none of them out. He's had four days, four days where we don't have clarity. He didn't call any of them out. None of them called him out. Okay. So now we've got Paulo back, signed a four-fight deal. Now, Paulo got you a little bit closer. He did throw out Shemaev's name, but he also threw out Strickland's. And that's very different than a call-out. It's now a suggestion. It's helpful. It's good. But it's not the same. Why is that? I mean, why aren't, why, why aren't those guys calling each other out? Are, are, are they buddies? I mean, sometimes that happens. I got matched up with Brian Stan. Just by example. I mean, sometimes you can match up with a guy. I, I, I'm just not, that's not what I'm going to do. For whatever personal reason. But is that what's happening here? Do we, do we got five guys at the top and they're all buddies or something along these lines? That doesn't sound right. Sean Strickland doesn't have friends. That doesn't sound right. Paulo Costa hasn't been nice to anybody. That doesn't sound right. Chemayev walks into a glass house and starts throwing stones by choice, right? That doesn't sound right, but, but somehow that's what's happening, and it's been going on for quite some time. I mean, I, I get asked this all the time. What do you want to see these guys do? Man, I don't know what I want to see them do. You want to know what's gross to me? You know what I, ne I never want to see is two guys fight in any, anywhere in life. I don't give a goddamn if this is a war. You got these two countries. If one of them doesn't want to be there, that's gross. And you'll even have people on the outside cheering it on. That guy doesn't want to be there. It's mean that poor guy. So they asked me, what do I want to see at 185? I mean, hell if I know, none of them want to fight each other. I don't want to see guys fighting that don't want to fight each other. 
And maybe you have a situation much like I referenced with Brian Stan, where the guy's just untouchable. He's got a reputation and attitude. It's, it's one of these things. It's beyond reproach. Is that what we've got here? Who would that guy be? Possibly Robert Whitaker? Everybody likes him. He never calls anybody out. Paulo Costa and Whitaker have had business twice, guys. Big, big fights. I mean, one of them was going to be ABC, just to remind you. It's what ended up being Max Holloway and Calvin Cater. That was supposed to be Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker. They tried to re-make that fight. Put out a poster, made the announcement they were going to do it, even going to take it to Australia. Where Robert Whitaker currently is the second, or at least one half of the biggest drawing fight of all time. And this is going to be a massive fight. Went away, couldn't get the paperwork worked out. Sounds like we do have it worked out, but we didn't go back to that fight. In fact, we didn't go back to any fight for any of them. I just want to know why. You don't have to sit there and entertain me. I, you, don't, you don't have to go do friction because it's, it's fun for old Chael who's sitting over here and a little bit bored. You don't have to do that. But if you have a strategy, I'd be very curious what it is. Like, if I was to try to guess off the top of my head, it'd be really good for Robert Whitaker to sit there with his mouth shut. It really would. If we're playing musical chairs and Whitaker gets left out, I think it'd be helpful for him right now. I think that Whitaker should have done what Volkanovski did, demand backup position for Adesanya versus Pierre. Not to mention, Pierre versus... Whitaker from an X's and O's, not from a drama and a story, but from an X's and O's standpoint, ooh, that's an interesting match. So I think that perhaps Whitaker is better served to be left without a dance partner, and perhaps that's what he's doing. I'm just offering it. Is that what the strategy is? Piera hasn't said much at all, but you can't blame him. He's got Adesanya, and I don't know how much longer Piera's going to stay in the weight class. I mean, I don't know that Piera needs to go and build something next. I'm not sure he's going to be in the division. Adesanya's got the monster in his closet, right? I mean, he, he's got his hands full. I, I give these guys a pass. Sean Strickland also woke and he's in a good mood? What is this? Well, I don't, we don't need good mood Sean Strickland. I don't need good mood Sean Strickland any more than I need nice Marvin Vittori. I need angry Marvin Vittori. And then you have Paulo Costa. I've always wanted him at 205 pounds, but I can't get my way. Even when he's coming back now, he's coming back to 185. He's been very disciplined. That's where he wants to be. That's awesome, right? I mean, if he's got a vision, he's going to stick to it. I'm just sharing with you. I like him at 205. I think it's a fresh coat of paint. I think that's a very interesting division. I think he matches up very well there. And in all fairness, I don't have a lot of ideas down at 185. He suggested Strickland and he suggested Jemaya. That sounds good to me. But... I, I cut an interview with Chemayev just yesterday. He was talking about Colby. And Chemayev was on Ariel's show talking about Col Colby's a 70-pounder. The last time that Chemayev was on Ariel's show, just to go back to that reference, he talked about Piero, but he talked about doing it at 205 pounds. I mean, right, we got a lot of time going on, but we don't have it at 185. Are we at 185? It's a massive lack of clarity. That really, we don't ever have to figure out, guys. They figured out for themselves. That's how this industry works. They get an idea, one guy speaks up, he's got the balls to actually call the other guy out. The other guy can't take that, he's got an ego, he fires back. But, I mean, this isn't rocket science.
But at 185 pounds, we have some very tough guys, some very interesting characters. Some very good skills. Some new, fresh, beautiful contracts. The whole bunch of guys don't want to fight each other. Conor McGregor woke up about four hours ago. He was laying in bed and he chose war. <laughs> Conor McGregor woke up today and chose to fight. I don't know if I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to try and I've got the quote. I have a code. As limited as it might seem to you, it still exists. I do not talk about coaches unless I'm calling them sir, mister, or coach. It was one of Clayton's only rules. You talk to the fighter. This guy's got something to say. He says it to me. And this happened. I had a coach. I had a coach who came after me in the media. And Clayton said, you don't, you don't say a word to him. That is a co- I, I will say a word to him. You don't say a word to him. So I took it with me, right? You might agree with that or not, but I'm sharing with you my code, and I really do believe that. I show coaches a different level of respect, whether they're mine or not. I don't think we're equals. I think fighters are equals, and I think coaches are up here. That's what I think. I was taught that since I was a, a young guy. You know how that goes. Yeah, I, I'm not going to read this to you, as a matter of fact, but it, but but it's on Twitter, and Connor just woke up, and he decided to go after, all right, one is a little douche, another is a pad man, another is a fat lick kickboxer? I don't know what lick is, if that's a typo, but it, it actually reads very beautifully. He called him a lick? That's, you might want to steal that. We got another one. That's a smelly prick. We got another one that got caught up. I don't know what that means. And then we have the point of all of this. After he gets your attention, he gets the sale, which is to put over Coach Kavanaugh. Once he puts over Coach Kavanaugh, he tells you where you can find him at SBG in Ireland. And guess what happens? You walk in there. You pay a fee. I mean, I, the whole thing's great. This is the third time in three weeks that Conor McGregor has stolen headlines without talking about a fight. It's the third time. Three weeks ago, he gets into it with Danny over whether he put three in and pulled three out. Last week, he tells USADA, I don't need you to fight. I am bigger than you. Huge. Conor McGregor versus Usada. That's a fun fight I wasn't expecting. And now we've got Conor versus the entire uh, coaching community. You got to appreciate this stuff because you can't get it anywhere else. Other guys are sitting around. They just, they just don't know what to do. They just don't know how to get those gears going. They just don't know what to talk about. Meanwhile. <laughs> meanwhile. Connor dominates the news, and he doesn't even have a fight. Are you guys aware of that with Chandler, by the way? You know they're doing the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, I know that you know that. Do you know there is not a venue, at least that's been disclosed for us? Do you know there isn't a non-sale with tickets? Do you know that Connor has not entered the pool and started his clock? Which many interpretations believe is 180 days. 
It's very interesting. I don't know if there is a fight there. I, I, I don't know it to the point that this fight was revealed to be at 170. I had a problem with that, and I came out and I spoke to you guys. And after I did, and I got you guys going, it got announced, no, hey, we're not going to do it at 7. We're going to drop it down to 55. Well, I just spoke to Team Connor three days ago. It's at 170. Now, I don't know what you want to make of that. I don't have a point. Other than to tell you, if you don't even know the weight class, you don't have a fight. It's simple as that. If you do not have an agreed-upon weight class, you do not have a fight. We don't get into the rules and the gloves and the venues and the participation. We, we don't get into any of that until we establish the weight. It is step one. Before we even have the, the two guys. What weight are we going to do? 170? Okay, great. Let's look at the field. I mean, it's, it's one of these things. It was 70. It was revealed as 50. But they told me it's 70. I, I won't hold them at that. There's a lot of things to keep track of. Not to mention it was a text. There could be some fumbling here, but I did follow up on it. I then went to the crew over at Monster, who works with... I said, hey, man, by the way, I'm, I'm getting told that this scrap with Chandler, who's also a Monster guy, is not taking place at 155. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to the point that I'm making that we don't have a fight. Not yet. But we have a headline, and we had one last week, and we had that before that with Connor. Now, juxtapose that. The greatest work that John Jones has done in a meaningful amount of time was last week when he came out and said, Stipe's holding up the fight, Stipe's wasting everybody's time. That's calling Stipe dishonest. That's calling him a liar in different words. Saying Stipe is holding up the fight is the most atrocious thing that's ever been said about Stipe. And you might go, chill, it's a nothing. I don't disagree with you. It's the most atrocious thing that's ever been said about him. He's off limits. He's a hero. He's off limits. John came after him, man. John said, boy, wonder over there ain't being straight with you guys. It was a big deal. And it was a big headline. And not only was I captivated and compelled by that, I was more excited that John has finally done something that didn't involve John. I, I love to point out what a raging narcissist John is. But one of the reasons that I can do that is I... It takes one to know one sometimes, right? Things about, there's things about my own character that I, I, I wish... Believe me, I know what a narcissist is. And when John Jones does an interview, all he will talk about is John Jones. And you see where he would come to that conclusion. Well, they called me. They want to talk to me. The headline's going to say me. Of course, it's going to be about me. That's true, but you're just not very interesting. I'm interviewing you. So you're already here. You're not the guy I got to get, right? Like if you're in the driver's seat going down the road, it's the passenger. It's the pet. You're already, you're driving the car. You're already here. So when John's doing interviews, he doesn't need to be talking about John. John's, he's already here. It's his picture they're going to put out. It's his name. He doesn't, it doesn't need to be a John story, but it always is. It's never who, what, when, why, or where. Never. And the, they suck. It's one crappy story after the next. John, you took off three years, and you put on 40 pounds, and nobody's ever done that before. How'd you do it? Oh, man, I had a, a, a huge secret. I brought this guy in. 
man, there was a secret. God, man, I got his secret. He came out to Albuquerque. I got his secrets. I got his secrets. God damn it. Just tell us what the secret was. I ate a lot of food. I'm not making this up, guys. He did. This was a spot that he did. That's bad. That's some bad stuff right there. But for the first time ever, he finally didn't talk about himself. He talked about something else. He talked about Stipe. He talked about the date. He talked about what was on the line. He talked about what was holding up the negotiation. It was great. And John knows where the bodies are buried. John's got a, a, enough information like that for us. That's compelling stuff. And I bring that to shine John a little bit. But I also use it as a juxtaposition for what Connor does on a daily basis. He wants to sign some folks up for $120 a month on a reoccurring business model. He wants to help the guy that got him there, who, which, by the way, Connor can just go fight one time and give that guy 10%. I mean, it'll be more than the signups ever worth. That wasn't the point. Somebody leaned on him and asked him if he could help promote the gym. So he rolled out of bed and he started promoting the gym. And his way to do it was to scorch earth on every other gym out there. I'm not telling you guys that's a good thing. I'm demonstrating for you what happened. I'm demonstrating a top main event fighter who got a top headline, several of them, but it didn't have anything to do with a fight. Guys, there, there's some stuff in this sport that drives me nuts and I love the sport. I love it. I do it every day, I, you know, a level of participation. And I got no regrets. I really enjoyed my life. But there's things that happen in it. I don't understand. You guys heard of Anthony Robbins? The world's highest paid motivational speaker. And if you go to the seminar for three days or you read the books or you go through the courses, the cassettes, however you want to do it, that there is a message. And it's a great one, which is whatever it is you want to do. It's been done. Unless you're Bezos or unless you're Musk, and I wouldn't want to stop your creativity, but it's been done. So just find somebody who did it and go copy them. It's masterful. And it's what we all know to be true. He's just the one that said it, right? We, we all know that to be true. We've been doing this since we were little kids. We see somebody who looks cool and we try to get the same shirt that he's wearing, right? We, we see somebody, they're playing their sports. We try to copy those manners. We know it, but he's the one that said it. Now, I say this to you because this was great. I mean, this was very rich, okay? And I'm going Conor McGregor, but I have to, I have to back you up 25 minutes. 25 minutes ago... Conor McGregor put out a tweet going scorched earth on all MMA gyms except SBG Ireland. Now that's a cool move. That's his gym. I do the same thing for ATT Portland. Like I get, I get that loyally. I fully understand. But guys, it was 25 minutes ago. This wasn't yesterday. This wasn't last week. This wasn't last night drunk down at the pub. This was, this was a sitcom ago. This was an episode of Seinfeld ago. And now he just said he's going to commence camp at Big Bear. Now, I got a few problems with that. I, I, I don't like it. If you train somewhere, that's where you train. Not you practice and you go here when it's convenient, but when it's time to get serious, you go somewhere else. Now, there's a lot of guys that do that and will dispute me. 
but only two or three of them have had careers that you want. And, and I will admit that those two or three, they got some special careers, but it's just not what you do. You train with the guys that you know. And it's very important that you're training, right? I got to use quotations because train is one of these words in our sport that has been wildly corrupted. Very few of you have ever trained, but you probably said the word. And if you own a gi or you belong to a gym or something, you probably have said the word. Training, just so you understand, is when you eat, sleep, and breathe that thing. The rest of the time you're practicing. You're working out, you're exercising, you're calisthenics, you're... But, but I bring it up because the guys that will pick up and leave when it's time to train, first off, where, where were you the rest of the time? That's just a little bit weird. Where were you the rest of the time? What, what is it that you were doing? But moreover, aren't you helping guys there to get ready for their match when you don't, and then, and then they return the favor to you? I mean, those are the teammates you got to have. You have to have an absolute trust in who you're working with, and that's a fantastic checks and balances. I'm going to come in, give you time, give you effort, give you round, give you sweat, give you everything, and then you're going to do it for me down the road. We're not going to exchange anything, not even so much as dinner, but we're going to. this is what we're going to do for each other. And my first job, aside from working you out, is to make sure that you go home in one piece. And you're going to have to return that to me. I mean, it's a really important thing. So when a guy packs up and leaves, sometimes you got to scratch your head. Then you got this Big Bear business. Big Bear sucks, just so you understand. Big Bear sucks so bad, they've sold it multiple times. Muhammad Ali was doing his thing out there. That got sold when Golden Boy was doing his thing. Who sold it to Tito? Who probably lost it to the bank. Either way, but it's... I'm just, Big Bear sucks. If it was any good, they'd still be there. Muhammad Ali is the one that put Big Bear on the map. Muhammad Ali's daughter fought and won a world championship. You want to know how many times she went to Big Bear? As many times as her dad told her to go. None. And they live in California. It's, I mean, I'm just saying for you, some of these things are really stupid, and, but they don't go away. You get a guy that wants to go be good at striking. He goes to Thailand. Thailand sucks at striking. I'm not looking to be a dick. We have a number of things that are contested in the World Championships. We have a number of things that are contested in the Olympic Games that have to do with striking. They don't win any medals. The end. It is a full body workout like you can't get anywhere else. You'll be pulling up the shin. You'll be throwing a knee. You're coming with an elbow. You're coming with a cross. You're... It's a full body workout. And that is where the compliment ends. It doesn't involve head movement. The guys that come over and they do, they, they, don't, they, they don't go. We, we got a great striker in the UFC, the best we've ever seen. His name is Israel Adesanya. He spent no time in Thailand. Just to put a perspective for you. One of the great strikers we have ever seen, a man named John Jones. He spent no time in Thailand. The great striker, his name's Anderson Silva. He spent no, the great striker, Muhammad Ali. The great striker, Roy Jones. The great striker, Floyd Mayweather. I, mean, I can keep playing this game. I'm never going to fall on a gold medalist. Never. And meanwhile, you can go get your wild shorts on and pull up a dot-com. This guy's a world champion. Well, I don't know his name. So is he really? I mean, not for nothing, but, but, but if I'm a pro in this business and you got a world champion and I don't know him, moreover, you know what? I'd like to talk to the son of a bitch. Let's call him a... Well, I can't. Why? Because he doesn't have a phone. Why didn't he have a phone? Because he's broke. Hey, shut up then. I mean, really, you've got to stop at some point. But there's just things in this sport that are weird. And they don't ever go away.
And I can't really understand why. I don't understand who did it first, and therefore we think that that's the right way to do it. I don't understand what seclusion ever got you. I don't know what sitting somewhere and going crazy. Now, I will share, if you have not sacrificed and you don't deserve this victory, man, you got to do some stuff to inconvenience yourself. That's a mental battle, not a physical. Just so that you guys understand, why would I go into seclusion? Why would I be away from the comforts? On my hot-ass wife, which I would never do. Why would I not want my kids around? Why would I not want a television, a refrigerator, and a bathroom that I know? I mean, why, why would I not want those things? Well, I, I didn't work hard. I have not sacrificed. I've been screwing off. And I know on that night, before I leave the locker room, I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to ask that guy one question. Do you deserve to win? And if you believe your answer is no, boy, you got to go inconvenient. You'll be, you'll be out running in the snow. But the guys that run in the snow don't run in the snow because it helps you. They run in the snow because they're drug addicts, because they're drunk, because they've been away from the gym, because they get their finger up their ass at home. So they got, they've got to inconvenience themselves. So when they look in the mirror in that locker room and say, do you deserve, they can say yes with some level. Do you understand this? It's very relevant that you know that. You got a guy in, this is very concerning. You got a guy in Ireland who's the face of a gym and he's got a great gym and he's got a great system. And he left. You, you don't leave when things are going well. You, you leave when you can't focus and you know it. You pack up and you go somewhere. You bring the same people, but you go to a different location. That's a mental drill. It, it, it takes discipline. It's a very good thing when somebody can recognize it and then go and do it. But we don't see these things working. I've had great concern for these things. I brought them to you. I had great concern when Hazma Chemayev, who trains in Sweden, I run into him in Las Vegas, and on his way out the door, he goes to Thailand before he went somewhere else. And I... I think that might have been Abu Dhabi, and then slid back to Sweden. I mean, I just came to you. I said, guys, this is a problem. If you are not buckled down, if you believe this guy has the answers, and I got to get to him. No, the answers are over here. I got some problems, and but the answers are over here, and I got to get to him. No, this, this guy has the, and I got, if, if you believe that, you got a problem. And I shared that with you, even with the great Chemayev. And the next time we saw him, he got in two dust-ups in one week, got a press conference canceled, and then missed weight. I called it accurately, and I told you about Darren Till. I said, I have a very big concern. I love the way Till strikes. First time I ever knew what a Darren Till was, he's standing opposite Cowboy Cerrone in a main event. He's a three-to-one underdog. Stopped him with striking. But when, you, when you go to Thailand, I mean, I really got to tell you that. And it, it hurts some people's feelings. It does, but 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 if you ever talk a guy that went to Thailand, you, you don't ask him to see his world medal. You don't you don't ask him to what Olympics he was in. You know, was it boxing? Was it Taekwondo? Like what? You, you don't you don't do these things. You you don't ask him when his next title defense in MMA is. None of those things happen. And when the guy tells you about his trip to Thailand, he tells you how great it was. God, he just he can't wait to get back. It was the greatest thing ever. He said, hey, what'd you do? He said, well, okay. So right when we got there, the coach had us go run a mile. And then we came in and we're, we're changing our shoes. And the coach says, you know what? Psych. 
run another mile. Oh my God. So we come back and we're so tired. So then we, we start hitting mitts for about two rounds. And the coach comes in and he said, go run a mile. Everybody, they've all got the same story. It's a hard effing workout. You're not going to run into a lot of obese guys that train Thai boxing. Like there, there is definitely a place. But you're not going to win into to winners that, that are at Big Bear anymore. There's some weird stuff we do in this sport. I can't cure it. I can't cure it. But I can identify it. Before you book your trip to Thailand, you can run at home. Corey Sandhagen. This could be a really sweet guy. I mean, this really could. I used to do a show on ESPN Plus with Errol Hawan. It's called Errol and the Bad Guy. And I'm doing my typical shtick. I'm giving everybody a hard time. But but Errol did stop me a couple times on Sandhagen. He said, hey, man, I feel like you don't know who this is. This is the guy. I really want you to give him another look. And Errol said that to me two or three times, and I saw Sandhagen. And wow, sure. Sure, he looked good. Sure, he looked something special. But, but I continued to tease him. And we've even got a vernacular now over here at Bad Guy Inc. called a Sandhagen. It's for when you call for something completely ridiculous within our sport. Because it's what Sandhagen did. He, he, he didn't know his own division. And for whatever reason. I used to go into training camp, guys, just to personalize this. But, but part of camp, right? Because I went to the same gym every day, twice a day. Never changed. Get a contract, get a bout agreement, and I, and I get my phone out, and I, I put a date in there. But And that's when camp starts, but it's the same thing. I slept in the same bed, I worked out the same people, same coaches, same time, same everything, but okay, that, right there. That's where the intensity is going to change. And then another date that I would set was 30 days prior to the fight, I'd stay off the internet. This is before ESPN was involved and you could get it on linear. You guys remember uh, a Fox and that deal. Our whole sport was ran on the internet. I'd stay off a of .com. So I would, just wouldn't hear anything, right? It was, it was part of my psychological process. Possibly Sandhagen did that. I mean, possibly that is the reason that he had no idea what was happening within his own division at that moment. They tried to give him a world title fight. And he turned it down, having no idea that they were offering it to him. Right? I mean, it's just one of these things. We call it a Sandhagen. Now, Sandhagen's got a great fight coming up this weekend, and he was doing an interview. And Sandhagen said the words, and I quote, they were talking about doing another fight down the road. And I quote, why wouldn't they want to do it? Comma, it's exciting. Period. Possibly exclamation point. Why wouldn't they want to do it? Come, it's exciting. Shows a tremendous lack of understanding without even knowing the rest of what we're talking about. The fact that a main event guy thinks that we're just doing things because it's going to be exciting, right? You're in one of these spots going, man, what are we doing? Then he lays out his case. He lays out his case and he starts talking about, well, it should be this guy because he lost to him and he beat him. And these guys used to train to go and he got a win over here and this was a no contest. And therefore, if you ever find yourself doing MMA math in the middle of a call out, stop. 
stop. If you ever think something is exciting and therefore can get a main event spot and you're a main eventer, so you do think that, stop, stop. Is it anticipated is your only question. Would that fight be anticipated? Because we got all sorts of spots. First of the night, second of the night, third of the night, fourth of the night. We got all sorts of spots for fights we're just going to go make. The main event is different, but this was a main event guy. No big deal. I'm not being too hard on Corey today. I'm just sharing with you my only message in this whole thing. If you ever find yourself in the middle of a call-out, breaking down math and justifying the call-out, stop. You are way down the wrong road. Okay, great. Now hold that thought. Jemayev. Jemayev tells Ariel Hawani. Great interview, by the way. Jemayev's fun. Jemayev really is fun. Because when Chamayev says something, no matter how crazy, I believe it. I, I believe that he believes it. When he says he'll go do so, I believe he'll go do it. If he was to come out and say, I will fight Francis and I'm headed down to the gym to find Francis right now, I would believe him. I mean, it's just one of these things. So I really enjoy his interviews. But something that he did, he went back and he banged a drum for the fifth time. But this time, the quote is as follows. Alex Piera would be the easiest fight I ever have in my career. First round, over. That's a quote. Now, when you're setting goals, okay, the goal is going to be a dream. That's going to be the finished product. It's going to be something big. It's what you're aspiring to be. But then when you back off is where the real important things come. That, that's the steps where you're going to get to the goal. That's the steps where you're, you're going to go to school and you're going to sit in the front row and you're going to take extra good notes, whatever it would be. But th th those are the parts that you really got to be right. You may never reach the goal. One thing we need as human beings is aspiration. We've got to have hope. Most people don't reach their goal. But these are the important steps because this now tells you what you're going to do and it shows you your discipline. And I, and I only bring out that a call-out is very similar. Instead of calling out Piera or even calling that it would be an easy fight, we've got to tell the audience right after that. We make the statement, we make the goal, but then we, we've got to come down and tell them what we're going to do to get there. Piera would be my easiest fight. I'm moving into the division, and Dana White himself has already eliminated everybody but the top three. I'm going to destroy Piera, and to demonstrate that, I'm going to first destroy Whitaker. Boom. We're done. It is a completely different message. It will be perceived completely different. Just offering for you, right? There's a few things that have happened in the week that we got to button up a little bit. Don't use MMA math in a call out. Don't start with the final product and not state how you're going to get there. And then let's go look at Leon's coach. Now, you know, I don't give coaches hard time ever. Different categories. I'm not attempting to give him one. Now, I want to preface it with that. But we're in a real jackpot. We have a fight that needs to be made which is Leon versus Colby. And Leon has come out and said, I'm not doing it. So somewhere the media was able to get an interview with his coach. And the coach came out to be the adult in the room. He came out 
to be the purest that sets all the BS aside. And you know, coaches do that and it's real. It's really real when a coach comes out and he talks about this from a competitive standpoint and a competitive stand only. This is what should happen. And when I tell you it's real, it's because he's not incentivized any other way. That is the business he's in. Whether it's an hourly rate to hold and, and work them out or it's a percent. I mean, I'm just sharing for you. Like the hype of the promotion, that's just not something that a coach is involved in. So he came in to be the adult in the room. Take out all of the Colby can get on Fox News. Colby can bring the attention. Colby can bring the heat. It's good versus bad. It's America versus the UK. Take all of that out. This was the coach's point. Take all of that out. This is the fight that makes sense. And he laid it out. And he was talking about Blahal Muhammad, just as his student was. And after he got talking about Blahal, and I'm still talking about Leon's coach here, he transitions to Gilbert Burns versus Masvidal. And he could, he could see the winner of that coming through. Great. Great. He just did a lot of things there. Took some interest away from Colby. Helped his client to get what he wanted. Which was Bahal. Very suggestion that Leon had himself two days ago. Also brought up a potential number one contenders match and put a little bit of a spotlight on them. Stop. Stop. You're done. Stop. He didn't. He said... Okay, they always go too far. You, you gotta know when to stop. He said, I hope between Gilbert and Masvidal that Masvidal wins. Because of all the other SHIT that match would bring. Okay, but no, that, dog nabbit. Dog nabbit, your entire point was that other SHIT doesn't matter. Your entire premise for why Colby should not get the shot. For why Colby should be ranked number one in the world, but not be able to fight for the world title. For why Colby should be three years the most perennial number one contender in our sport, any division, and not get a title shot. Your entire argument was that Blahal has been busy. It's a straight line sport. Here's who his opponent's been. This is the right thing. He poked my guy in the eye. Why did he bring up the other, as he put it, S-H-I-T? I thought that didn't matter. It's why you did this interview. All right, now let's recap, guys. Let's recap three things, okay? If you're ever doing MMA math and a call out, stop. If you have a huge fight that you want and you can't get it and you know it, back up to the audience one step down and tell them what you're willing to do to get there. And if you find yourself saying too much in an interview, much like if you find yourself in a hole. Stop digging. You know, what a world we live in, right? And you guys have, you guys have heard other people saying it. You probably found yourself saying it. That's a very common vernacular right now. But I'll tell you what, it's a lot different than the one I grew up in. I never liked that you potheads won. I got to tell you, I didn't like it. I liked the good old day where you dopers at 420 went behind the barn and hid and came out giggling, hoping that nobody knew. Cause if they did, you were going to get attention. I like that. I don't love where the laws are at, but I acknowledge that you won. I acknowledge that here we are, but back in that day, I had very good people, people I respected, adults, coaches, teachers, principals, doctors, and lawyers.
who when somebody said something stupid when they were stoned, you would say, he's on drugs. You'd have parents driving down Burnside, showing their children, hey, see that person out there? They're there because they did drugs. They're a doper. And we would dismiss them. But now, because you dopers won, it was a fair fight, you won. But, but now we don't tease them. So now when we have a doper, named Joe Rogan in this case, saying that today's fighters are better than George St. Pierre. We, we, we address this and we debate this. Why? Well, what happened to the good old day where we said, that guy's on drugs. Don't listen to him. That guy's on dope. What happened to those days? That's not a rational statement. Joe Rogan is fantastic at his job, and when you talk a lot, you get some things wrong. Joe Rogan is a podcast. Are you guys aware? The Joe Rogan program. Very popular. And he goes on the Joe Rogan program. He's talking to a gentleman. And he even put Masvidal over, which is great. But he even put Masvidal over as an example that today's welterweights are far superior and they're better than George St. Pierre. Now, we should just dismiss this, but I, I want to explain to you how we got there because this is a person who has the right to an opinion and it's a person that will influence your opinions. And what Joe said and how he did this math is very common, but I would like to correct you to what a non-420 mind can come up with. Joe got to that point by stating that the competition is harder now than it was then. And I hear many people doing that. What does the competition have to do with the guy? You might have an answer, but you see the problem with the thinking. That math doesn't, anywhere in life does that math work. Where you're gonna tell somebody about this guy. Well, go ahead, tell them about this guy. It's what the topic is. No, instead you talked about these guys. And your commentary and rationale of these guys somehow equates to uh, to this guy. What? I, I say this for you because I know who the best fighter is, right? And I can't prove this. I don't need to be a dick about it. But I've been in there with them all. I know you're not supposed to tell practice room stories. But if it didn't go your way in the practice room, the rules are different. You can tell the story. George is the best. That's your answer. Ever. Now, if you're going to try to judge him by his competition, what kind of divisible are you putting in for the gap? I mean, what kind of divisible are you going to put in when George goes out there and dominates a wrestling champion like Josh Koscheck? Or knocks out a world champion like Matt Hughes? or passes the guard of a jiu-jitsu ace like Nick Diaz. I mean, what, what kind of equation are you putting into the gap? These were 5-0. Very common in judging when you're going to the fifth round and the guy's pitching no hit you, to give it to the other guy. It's extremely common. With the deduction being no one's gonna call me on it. If I get the fight the way the whole world says, they don't look at my score, 
Why would is if I got the fight right, we don't go to the next step of looking at the score. It's just a very common thing within the psychology of judges. And I, I offer that for you because if you go look up George's record and you see some four to ones, I'm here to let you know it wasn't four to one. So what are you going? First off, how do you come to a conclusion of this guy? How do you come to an analysis of this guy based on those guys? And second, what are you doing for the gap? How are you putting that back together? Which 170-pounder do you believe can take George St. Pierre down? Now, now answer it honestly. Answer it honestly. Who do you really think can take George down? What 170-pounder out there do you believe George cannot take down? I mean, let's just start with that. You cannot deduce one entity by drawing a conclusion to others. And if you do it, we should dismiss you. And we should tell the kids in the back seat, that guy is on drugs. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Please remember, if you want to support the show, you can do that by going over to Apple Podcasts. Simply leave me a review like the one from Isaac that says, shout out to the undefeated and undisputed. I like the sound of that, Isaac. And I hope you and everyone else come back for more on Friday. Tell that I'm Chael Sutton. And you are welcome.